Welcome back to another Max Term Podcast. Kyle Stitch here alongside James Finch. Today we're going to be continuing our look through the uh, NHL teams as kind of a free agency draft preview with the Central Division. If you uh, missed our first uh, episode of this kind of little series, you can find uh, that it was on the Pacific Division. If you have any questions or have any thoughts on anything we're discussing, feel free to uh, hit us up on Twitter at MaxTermPod or at AFP Analytics. The at AFP Analytics also has our contract projections uh, pinned to that profile. Any ads that you might hear associated with this podcast are not necessarily things that either of us are endorsing. And anything we're talking about in these kind of season previews are our opinions, not necessarily anything we're hearing. It's based off of things that are publicly available that anyone has access and knowledge of. So Central Division has some couple teams that we're probably going to fly through real quickly, and then a couple really, really interesting outside of maybe the Calgary Flames, who we talked about in the Pacific Division. We might get to another Canadian team in this division that might be the center of the offseason. But we're going to start at the top, at least alphabetically, with the Arizona Coyotes. The Coyotes bought more players out, have a lot of players that are going to be on injured reserve, they're not playing again, and are going to need to spend a little bit of money to get to the cap for this offseason. But we're not necessarily expecting them to do much more than that. Yeah, so they might kind of be that team that just, I don't know if they'll wait and see what's left after the initial rush of free agency, but they're not competing anytime soon, and they, they do need to spend some money. Uh, so Arizona has been in the rumor mill a bit with trades. Guys like Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz, Lawson Krause, they need some good NHL talent to be there when prospects like a Logan Cooley come up and they just need money on the books. So I don't really foresee those guys moving unless there's a deal they can't refuse. Maybe the goalie situation could be something where we see a little movement. Yeah, I think I think they might have one of the more interesting kind of trade pieces available in net this offseason. Cheap and good in uh, Vegmelka there. They also have Connor Ingram, who's who's kind of bounced around a little bit, who some people still seem to be fairly high on. But I, to me, their only real piece that maybe would make a level of sense of moving is Vegmelka. Looking at their forwards, as you just ran through, I don't it. I don't think they're moving anyone else there. Defense, use of Almaki would be it would be crazy to move him. He seems to have finally found his rhythm with the Coyotes, and they need and again they need bodies and they need to start building a level of talent. Maybe Josh Brown gets you know moved at the deadline or something, but I don't really see much more happening besides them bring in some guys who maybe didn't find contracts that they are looking for elsewhere. Yeah, I think that pretty much outlines Arizona perfectly. Shouldn't be too active in trading away players this offseason and are kind of looking just for a few depth pieces, maybe, in free agency. Just got to get to the salary cap floor. Yeah, another team uh, in the same division that probably is just trying to get to the salary cap floor close to it this year, maybe a little bit over, Chicago Blackhawks. So their excitement's going to come 
at the draft, on the draft floor, when they walk up and make the first overall selection and select, spoiler alert, Connor Bedard. But otherwise, they they need to add some talent to play with him, but they're probably not quite in the uh, realm that they're going to be competing, pushing back for the playoffs. they got a few more years to go in their rebuild. Yeah, they, they might want to have somewhat of a respectable uh, team around Bedard uh, with him coming in as his first season. They re-signed Athanasiu. Uh, that was a two-year 4.25 uh, AAV, and we were kind of the impression they might have overpaid a little bit to get that deal done now. Um, it's possible that they could maybe look at specific pieces to overpay and make sure they're there beside Bedard. Um, or maybe just Connor Bedard being there himself is a draw for some current free agents. Uh, anyone in mind that you think would be a good target? Yeah, I think I think looking right at the top of the class, well, at least our projected uh, free agent class, again, the contract projections are available at AFP Analytics. And one of the top free agents that we have available is, is also a younger guy, uh, Michael Bunting, who played with um, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner a lot in Toronto. He put up great numbers with them, showed that he could play with those elite players. He's also someone that Chicago could probably lock up to a level of term at a, at a good cap hit for him right now that will look better for the team down the road. And he could maybe be Bedard's winger for a good three, four, five seasons and provide some uh, stability and comfort for, for the rising young player there. Yeah, so just to touch on Bunting really quick from a contract perspective, we're, uh, we were ex- expecting kind of a five-year, a little above $5 million, so 5.25. I don't think it would be crazy if Chicago needed to go a little bit higher than that, even creeping towards $6 million. Um, I-, I think he would be a pretty good fit there to have alongside Bedard. Yeah, him, Badar, and maybe Anthony CU as their kind of, I don't know if I would say first line, but kind of their at least promising speed come at you line that's definitely going to provide the offensive punch. That that could be at least at least something to get Badar going and add some level of excitement when they're on the ice. I'm looking at their defense. Seth Jones, I he's there. I don't know. I don't know how they're getting out from under that contract. Kita Zaitsev is uh he's just gonna be there this year. He's he's taking up cap space. He's a serviceable NHL defenseman. I think the one player that may be still a little bit interesting on their blue line, Connor Murphy. Yeah, Connor Murphy is pretty much a solid top four defenseman. He hasn't had a lot of luck in his career playing with Arizona and then uh, this Chicago team that is not very good. At four point four million, he he is a great value uh, to have on. I, I would say a second pair, but he, he could play with a number one defenseman as a little bit more of a defensive presence. Um, so he could be moved out uh, in, in a in the right deal, I think. But you, you don't want to necessarily deplete your team too much when you have someone like Bedard coming in. Um, yeah, Chicago's got to start to build just a little bit. We saw we saw a team like Buffalo when they got Jack Eichel have absolutely tear it down to the studs, try to build it up a little too quickly, but they really started with too little when they brought Eichel in to 
surround him with team. And now, of course, he's he just won uh, his Stanley Cup with Vegas, and Buffalo has still been trying to kind of retool themselves. So, yeah, exactly. We can't, if you're Chicago, you can't tear it completely down to the studs. This offseason, you have to start bringing in a level of talent and probably keeping some of your good uh, players that you already have. That's where a player like bringing in a bunting makes sense, and it also might make sense to keep a Connor Murphy. In goal, they probably need to add someone to add a little bit of stability. Again, you don't want to continue to be finishing at the bottom of the league. I don't think them adding a little bit more in goal is going to necessarily take them out of the running for another high pick next year anyways. I think it's pretty much expected Mrazek's going to be there um, as one of their goalies. Yeah, like you said, they could add someone. I don't think they necessarily have to get a big name. They could just get a serviceable backup type in there. And again, it's it's not necessarily about pushing for that top free agent goalie because even if you get that as Chicago, it's it's not going to be enough to be a contender. But it's just getting someone serviceable. Maybe they uh, take another bad contract off uh, Toronto's hands and Matt Murray and uh, just and gain another asset to do that for Toronto. So Chicago at the bottom, we go all the way from them to Colorado at the top of the division. Colorado's just a year removed from winning the Stanley Cup. Their captain, Gabriel Landeskog, has been He's going to be out next season, unfortunately, because of that knee injury. And unfortunately, who knows long-term what he what he's going to bring back to the organization as well. Hopefully his career isn't over, but next year for sure, they, they're going to have another $7 million in cap space to work with. Their defense is pretty, pretty solid, uh, pretty stable, I would think. So it looks like if they're adding places, it's at forward this offseason. Yeah, I think... Uh... They're probably set with their high-end guys, the McKinnon, Rontanen, uh, Nachushkin, I think. Not sure there were some legal things going on there. Uh, but I, I think it's expected he's still on the team and good. Um, Lekkanen was a great addition, I think, and is a, a great middle six guy. Um, but depth-wise, a lot of their key depth forwards, so there was Malgin, Newhook, Cogliano, JT Comfer played a big role this season. Um, a lot of guys needing new deals. They're free agents. They might look to retain some of these guys. They might need to find some new depth players. But uh, a lot of the work to be done is on the forward group this offseason. Yeah, one decision they might have to make. Comfer for a little bit more or Evan Rodriguez for a little bit less. Those are two guys that have been versatile depth pieces for the organization and sure, they maybe could try and squeeze both of them in, but that's really going to start to push their depth. So it's probably deciding one of those two for kind of that middle six center wing hybrid type role. Yep, and I would even say um, it could be the year they start to expect a little bit more from Newhook. Um, he's currently 22 right now, but uh, he's had a couple seasons with them in the NHL, and at some point, I think you'd like to see if he can take that uh, second-line center role. Yeah, Colorado, 
has the opportunity or it could be a hindrance to really retool their forward depth. They still are going to have those top guys, as you said. I, the problem with them is, well, I won't say problem because they won the Stanley Cup, but one of the byproducts of winning a Stanley Cup is you push a lot of your chips in the middle of the table and you deplete your organizational depth. So Colorado doesn't have necessarily a ton of guys to be overly excited about in the pipeline which is going to be a level of issue for them going forward as they start to try to fit some of these bigger contracts in. Yeah, I think they're going to uh, kind of be one of those teams that's always looking for the bargain or value-free agent. So Colorado has a lot of moves that they may or may not make. Maybe they'll bring a lot of guys back. But another, the next team in the division, the Dallas Stars, very well could run back the team that they were just a few wins away from going to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, so uh, Dallas has seven point three, or about seven point four million in cap space, according to Cap Friendly, and they've got Delandria to sign, which shouldn't be a huge deal. And I think Max Domi is really their uh, clear uh, of call him better than average free agent. Um, the only real free agent that would cost them a fairly significant amount of money, not not a ton, but noticeable on their, their cap sheet. And I honestly think they could just decide to keep Domi, and that's kind of their offseason. They've got some pretty good depth defensively. I think they're fine in goal. It was a little shaky in the playoffs with Ottinger, but he's their guy moving forward. Um, it, it's really just deciding, is Domi the, the move for the offseason, or is it someone else? Yeah, we have Domi projected right around $5 million cap hit. So that, that would eat into pretty much all of their space. And as you said, Delandria is going to probably take up most of the rest of that. So it would be adding another like minimum-type guy if they were to bring back Domi. So I think it's a tough decision for them because once once all their players around him were healthy, he he had a nice playoff run. But $5 million eating up all your cap space for that one guy who who very small sample size was good. But it was it was a very limited stretch with very specific circumstances. Maybe you can do a little bit better with your money to get a player that you can play, have a little more versatility in the lineup and not necessarily need, you know, the right wingers to play with him. Yeah, absolutely. Dallas isn't going to be looking to add someone who's really above the level of a Max Domi. So, I mean, they're probably looking at best uh, at a middle six type forward. And there's a few decent ones out there that they could probably get for a little less than our projection uh, for Max Domi. I've been a really big fan of uh, Tomas Sitar. He's a free agent, just had a great season with the Devils, and I feel like he'd be a great fit for Dallas, the way he plays. But there's, there's some options there for Dallas. Minnesota Wild, another team in the Central Division that... Well, the, the elephant in the room is still there. The Suter and Parisi buyouts are still counting for a lot of their cap. Almost $15 million are just is going to players that are playing for other teams at this point. 
So Minnesota still has to get a little bit uh, creative for this season and next. Next year, they'll probably have a little bit more space to work with simply because the cap's probably going up three, four million. They have to go a little bit bargain shopping once again. They definitely do, and I'll be honest, there's some rumors out there that have me a little concerned. Um, the main one is when we look at their defense. So they're going to be possibly losing Matt Dumba, but the, the main thing I'm concerned about is Kalen Addison. He seems to be in some trade rumors, and I honestly don't know why. I, I think he's a piece that they need to be trying to build around in the future. Yeah, they have they have enough restricted guys. Most of them have arbitration rights, so there's a little less control there. But Kalen Addison, they can play hardball with, and unless he's going to you know sign an offer sheet with another team, which I don't think another team is going to do that because no one in the NHL really does. It's it's going to be hard. Like they, the Wild can dictate what they're going to pay him to an extent. So I don't know why you would trade a young, cost-controlled asset that you could basically get very cheaply or at least count minimally against your cap for the next two years when you're going to be in a crunch. Oh, and he's also a good player too. So... I would be looking. I'd be looking if you need to free up some space a little bit elsewhere. I think the one player that's really going to be tough for them is, at this point, probably their number one goalie, Philip Gustafson. Yeah. So that that ended up being a great trade for the Minnesota Wild. It was uh, signing out Cam Talbot and bringing in Philip Gustafson, and he he's pretty clearly their number one goalie at this point. Flurry's still there, but it's it's uh Philip Gustafson's job and yeah, he is arbitration eligible, RFA. Um I don't know exactly what they're going to try and do here. It might depend on what kind of cap space they can figure out because I think ideally you'd want to go long term with him, but it's possible they kind of get stuck into a one or two year deal um, because of their cap situation. Their cap situation is, is definitely one factor, but they also spent a first round pick just a couple of years ago on Jesper Wallstedt, who's who also is supposed to be a top goalie f- for them in the next couple of years. So timeline wise, Philip Gustafson is really interesting I'm not sure you can necessarily trade him if you're still trying to compete and have Marc-Andre Fleury and whoever else you probably get back in that trade. But I guess I would sit here and not discount that because timeline-wise, it could make some level of sense to just say, okay, we don't have the space now. In a couple years when we will have the space, well, we're going to be probably going to another guy anyways maybe you capitalize on his high value and, and trade him right now. Yeah, that's definitely possible. I think, um, so, so our projection for uh, Gustafson is a three-year deal at four point, about 4.25 uh, AAV. I think that they can make that work. It's whether or not that's how they want to use their cap space. Um, and like you said, with Wallstat, at least close to ready, he was in the AHL last year. 
maybe now is when they cash in on a great season from Gustafson, sorry, and uh, turn him into some maybe a little bit cheaper assets, ideally some that can help them elsewhere on the roster now. Yeah, they could definitely add a little bit, probably more scoring punch up front. They really still don't have that true first-line center. I don't necessarily think that they're going to have the cap space to bring it in. Maybe maybe Marco Rossi finally takes the step that, that they're expecting from him. But that would be asking a lot for him to step right into the number one center role. And usually those guys are, well, the going rate for a number one center now is, is $8 million pretty much. Maybe even a little bit more if they're an unrestricted guy. Maybe you can convince Ryan O'Reilly to come in and be, he, he could fill that number one center role. Maybe it's not ideal, but you really don't have that top line center. Yeah, um, there's not going to be one in free agency. Like you said, there's O'Reilly who I guess you could put there, but it's he's not truly a number one center anymore. Um, you might be able to find it on the trade market. Um, I think there could be a team in the division that is possibly selling a couple centers. I think we'll get to that more specifically in a moment, but uh, that's also tough, just a division rival, so that could take some names off the board, um, off the trade board. Yeah, and then and then trying to make that big splash at center is going to cost you the assets that you really need right now, those young, cost-controlled players or those draft picks. Maybe you're okay parting with a draft pick or two, but you you really can't be giving up guys on entry-level contracts who are going to provide uh, good production for a low cap hit. Minnesota made the playoffs. They got some moves to do. Another team that was right there in the mix till the end was Nashville, and I don't really know what to make of them. They have a couple big-money contracts. The amount they're spending on forwards right now is is almost laughable compared to what a lot of other teams in the league are spending. Yeah, it's Duchenne that it drops to Colton Sissons at 2.8 and Trennan at 1.7. And then you're looking at guys on entry levels or uh, basically minimum deals. They could use some forward depth, and there's space for it. Uh, Cap Friendly has them at $15.5 million. I think that could definitely get them... Honestly, like two or three, we'll call them depth forwards. I think one or two of them could be middle six guys. Maybe add in a fourth line or third, fourth line guy there. Um, they don't have a ton of guys to re-sign that are going to break the bank. Um, Alexander Carrier on defense, Cal Foot on defense. Um, a little money could go to those guys, but it's not going to be a lot. Rasmus Asplund at forward, Cody Glass at forward. Not going to be a lot for them. Um, they, I think they're one of really a few teams in this current cap climate that doesn't really have to move anyone out. They have space. They have some needs. And it kind of seems like 
it's going to work out perfectly there. They've got enough cap space for those needs. One, one forward we've uh, overlooked a little bit is is someone who finished the year on the injured list, and that's Philip Forsberg, who's still a top, who's still probably a top line player, and he would come in at their highest. But eight point five million there, you absolutely should be looking to add one a middle six or two forwards. Maybe a Jason Zucker could make some sense. Michael Bunting. Tyra Bertuzzi for a team that in the past has liked to uh, kind of have those guys with a little bit more of an edge. It'll be interesting with uh, Barry Trotz coming in as their GM, and one of the first moves he made was bringing in uh, Andrew Burnett as their coach because he wanted to basically make the team more exciting. Kind of ironic coming from uh, Barry Trotz, but hey, he knows where the league's going. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do spend a little bit on forward. And the only other name that we haven't necessarily talked a ton about, we touched more on him in our fourth episode when we talked about the goalie market, but that's UC Soros, whose name's been in the trade rumors a little bit. Maybe it makes sense to move him this offseason, depending on where you see your timeline. But I don't know if Askarov's quite ready. And if you want to kind of be a playoff team, you should probably be keeping a Venza Calvert goalie. Yeah, and uh, we we did touch on this a little bit in a previous episode, but I, I do want to kind of reiterate the thinking here. So Soros has two years left, uh, five million AAV, and um, he has been in the rumor mill a bit. My issue with moving him. If you're Nashville, there's Matt Duchesne. He's 32. You move to your defense. Roman Yossi's 33. Ryan McDonough's 34. You mentioned how Askarov might not quite be ready to take over. If you move Soros, I feel like you're almost... I don't know for sure if a championship window is open right now, but if you move Soros, it's definitely closed. And by the time you get, let's say, Askarov becomes a true number one like everyone thinks he will, that could be two years from now. And then you're looking at a 35-year-old Roman Yossi, a 36-year-old Ryan McDonough. Everyone's a little bit older. It's possible they're not quite as good. I I feel like you kind of need to keep Saros in Nashville. Yeah, they've put themselves in just such an interesting kind of timeline spot. Soros makes a lot of sense for a short-term deal for any team that's kind of looking to be a contender. Askarov, having him in your system is a great thing for looking in the future, but Soros is also young enough as well where I wouldn't necessarily be concerned with giving him another long-term contract, and maybe the player you move out of is Askarov and just trade the the prospect and keep your your established goalie who you know what what he already is. Another team that uh, is going to have to make, well, might try and make a move. I don't know if they're necessarily going to pull much off. The St. Louis Blues, they might have done a lot of their business at the deadline. At goaltending, they're probably fine with Jordan Binnington and Joel Hofer. Apologies if I absolutely butchered his name there. Forward, they have nice young upcoming pieces that they've invested quite a bit of money and term into. So 
it's going to be tough for them to add a ton up front or at least justify it right now. They've been in the, it's been rumored that they would like to move out of defensemen, but ironically, they kind of put themselves in their own, in their own tough situation here on defense. Yeah, so defensively, maybe on paper a few years ago, this would have looked great, but you're looking at Justin Falk, who had a down season. Tory Krug, he was all right. Um, Colton Pareko is one that he's on a pretty long deal here um, at 6.5 AAV. And then you've got Nick Letty. I think that they're going to do what they can to possibly move Pareko. Um, I believe it's seven more years um, on his current deal. If they can't move him, they're going to try to move one of the other guys just to free up a little bit of space to work with and maybe quite honestly make room for a defenseman not currently in St. Louis who is a little bit better than these guys. It's going to be tough, but other than that, I don't see a whole lot of movement from St. Louis this offseason. And the issue St. Louis has is it takes two to tango if they want to move Parenko. If and I don't see a team that's necessarily going to do that with them without them attaching assets to that. To that, And for a team that wants to kind of rebuild, you don't necessarily want to give up assets. So it's, it's going to be tough for me to see him moving unless maybe like an Arizona says, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll take him because he is, he's, a, he's still an okay, decent NHL player, definitely overpaid for, for the production you're going to get, but maybe someone like Arizona who has the cap space and want and could use some players under contract for term might be willing to do something there, but I, I wouldn't be touching him if I'm a GM. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. I, I'm not really looking to trade for any of their defensemen, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if someone will do it. There's always... There's always a handful of questionable moves every offseason. Yeah, so may, maybe they're in the market for middle six forward, maybe add a depth guy. Maybe they shuffle their defense around, but I would not be surprised if, if as I said, they're, they kind of already did their moves and they kind of t- make their draft picks this offseason and try to retool in the next couple of years with a new kind of young core. And speaking of teams that I don't know if they're going to retool or if they're going to full-on rebuild, the Winnipeg Jets, if it wasn't for the Calgary Flames basically having all their star players saying, yeah, we're, we're gone after this year, the Winnipeg Jets would be the most interesting team to watch. Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, Connor Hellebuck, Pierre-Luc Dubois, all players that, okay, yeah, Wheeler's 36 years old, Shifley's 30, but they're still going to provide a level of value to to teams, maybe not for the full-on contracts they're under, but a lot of contenders would be lining up for them at a, at a discount for sure. So I'd say Wheeler... Teams are probably looking for some money retained, but he can still be a very serviceable winger. Um, 
Shifley, I think there's definitely teams out there who would view him as their number one center, and he would probably get a pretty good extension. Looking at Dubois, um, I don't know if he's really a true number one center, but it's sounding like he wants to get paid like one, um, and he doesn't want to get paid by Winnipeg. And then Hellebuck is, I think, really the most exciting piece to trade for. He's arguably the best goalie in hockey. You could make that argument. He's going to be in need of an extension, too, uh, with one year left. And it's tough because they all have pretty much voiced that they're ready to leave. And when looking at the rest of the roster, I start to question, well, are they going to retool or should they just go for a full rebuild? Um, so names we haven't mentioned yet that aren't really being rumored, but I'm curious about, um, Nino Niederreiter, they just acquired him this past off or past season, but he's got one year left at 4 million and then he's a UFA that would make sense if you're trading these other four cornerstone players that he could be gone. Nikolai Ehlers, a very good winger has two years left. If we look at the, the, the defense here, Nate Schmidt, two years left. Neil Pionk, two years left. I would think that those two are guys you'd want to keep on your team. But if you're going to rebuild, then maybe those are guys you move. Um, and then a couple guys on defense with one year left, Dylan DeMello and Brendan Dillon. They've got a lot of guys who in the next couple of years, they could be gone as well. We just talked about Nashville having like this timeline that where pieces don't necessarily line up. And Winnipeg, if they were to try to retool, they're going to put themselves on that same type of timeline. Like, yes, Wheeler's, Wheeler's towards the end of his career. Mark Shifley's over 30 at this point. But then some of those other guys are also at 30 or pushing 30 as well. So outside of like Kyle Connor, Josh Morrissey, Neil Pionk, a lot of the guys that would be considered kind of their core pieces right now are are on the wrong side of 30. And that's not how you, you don't keep those guys around necessarily to retool. So I would lean towards, hey, let's see what type of value is out there for these guys who who are still young enough to bring back value, still on good enough contracts to, again, bring value. And it might be just time to make some changes. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you there. Um, if, if I'm running the Winnipeg Jets as GM, I, I think I, I would lean towards a full rebuild. From an organizational standpoint, there's a bigger conversation that they would then need to have of is... Uh, Shovel Day off their GM. Is he the guy that you want beginning a rebuild? And at, at this point in the year, in the offseason, he's he's going to be the guy going through this offseason. Which kind of signals to me that they may try to retool more than they rebuild. I don't know if it's really going to work. Yeah, ownership maybe should step in there and tell him, hey, let's let's sell this off. We'll, uh, we'll gracefully kind of move on. Maybe he'll get a promotion slash not a promotion to another like part in the organization and bring in a fresh voice after he's moved everyone kind of out 
Because I think that I think it would be easy for a new GM to come in with a bountiful kind of plate of draft picks and prospects and allow that them to put their own stamp on the team. So Winnipeg, there again, if if Calgary hadn't uh, come out and had basically well had their players say that we want a mass fire sale, Winnipeg would probably be the most interesting team this offseason. I think one last thing to add with. Uh, Winnipeg, and it, it kind of applies to Calgary as well. Um, none of these players that are uh, assumed to be available and are expected to be traded are young RFA controllable guys. Um, other than Dubois, he is technically RFA, but he's looking for his next big contract. This isn't necessarily a Matthew Kachuk situation where you have this very young star forward that maybe his value is so high you can get multiple top tier pieces so to chuck went for uh jonathan uberdo and mackenzie Weger, so a top line winger and a top pair defenseman i don't think anyone on this winnipeg team i guess maybe dubois could bring back some value i don't think he's bringing back that type of value no one on this team is going to really bring back that type of return in a trade. So trying to do the whole, okay, well, let's retool. We'll just find a trade partner like Calgary did last year. I don't think that's going to be on the table. Yeah, the the one thing that might work to uh, both Calgary and Winnipeg's kind of advantage here is the weak kind of free agent class So and the fact that next year, hey, the cap's going up. So both those teams have lots of guys on kind of good contracts that are going to perform at a high level. You're not necessarily finding that in the free agent class this year. So if you think you're one of those teams that need another forward or defensive piece, you know where to find them. And maybe either Winnipeg or Calgary can leverage that into a little bit more of a return. So with that, this has uh, been our Central Division, kind of our in our Western Conference look. If you have any questions, want to share your thoughts, feel free to tweet us at MaxTermPod or at AFP Analytics on Twitter. We appreciate you uh, subscribing to this podcast on any of the platforms that you might consume your podcast on. And uh, we'll talk to you next time when we start the Eastern Division.